Guys, on this episode of Prepare Them for Launch, we are so honored to have our lead pastor here at Friends Church in Norba Linda. His name is Matthew Cork. Matthew, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here with you guys. We would love for you to just share a little bit about who you are, what your time at Friends has been like for those of our listeners um, who don't attend our church. Well, well, the crazy thing is I have been uh, at Friends Church for 30 years now. Um, so my trajectory, I started in 1992. Uh, I was just the choir director part-time, and then I became an executive pastor, and then I've been the senior pastor for the last 18 years, watched my family grow up, this place is home, and really love the people of Friends. Yeah, well, we love you too. Uh, Thank you. It's great to be here. (laughs) One of the reasons that we wanted to have you on, Matthew, is because I feel this season's all about tending to our souls, tending to our mental health um, as parents so that we're better able to care for our children. And one of the things I feel that you're so gifted at is speaking to the heart of people. Um, And so we really wanted to have you on to be able to share your perspective. And in light of that, I picked up your book, Broken for Good. So I would just love for you to share a little bit about the heart behind that book and um, where the desire to write that came from. Yeah, well, a a couple things. I do believe, uh, as I have grown and now have three kids in college, uh, that God has allowed me, not in my strength, but I've realized it's been in my brokenness and a lot of times in my vulnerability and honesty with my kids that my soul's been taken care of, but I've actually been able to feed their soul. And my book, Broken for Good, um, it says, really, it's about leadership, but it's leading from the strength of your weakness. Uh, Paul said in in the Bible, he was just like, hey, it's not about all the great things I've done. It's not about who I am. It's in my weakness that I am strong because of Jesus in me. And I think so out of this book, really, it came from my own life. And there were seasons of of brokenness, seasons of of hurt, um, seasons of betrayal. And in that season, it was, how am I going to lead? And how am I going to be a better leader and reflection of Jesus, even in the broken places of my life? And so I believe that book tied into my home life as well. Because what was going on at work and home, you couldn't separate. Ministry, it goes with you all the time. So my kids were seeing and observing me in the midst of some of the most difficult things. But I think that was one of the greatest pictures I was, I pray I was able to give them was someone that was relying and trusting a God in the midst of their brokenness, in the midst of lots of hurt, to trust that God was still moving, still had a plan. And he was actually using me to witness to them, not in words. I always say a lot of times it's the things we, we do, not the things we say. <laughs> they tune us out at some points when, when we're saying, but they're watching all the time. And so that's where that book came, uh, book came from, um, Broken for Good. I pray that it's God's goodness in me even in my brokenness and my pain that people see and I'm able to lead from that place. Yeah, that's so good. I think the biggest, the biggest lesson that we can all learn is that, which we've talked about a lot this season is this idea that you don't have to be perfect. And a lot of the time society tells you, you need to be working it out this way. You need to be parenting this way. You need to live this way. And in in order for us to do that, we automatically, that triggers a thought in our head that we have to be perfect in all those areas. Rather you're, you're preaching this message of being broken not using, not even working out your strengths. Your strengths are nothing compared to the power that God has placed in you. And because of that, it's allowed you to lead your, your, 
this church better, parent your kids better, and make you a better person all altogether. And I think what's cool, and I'm going to take a little bit of time just to you know praise you in this. Um, I've I've had the opportunity to lead his kids in in our high school ministry. And I think I've been able to see two hats from you, what that as a father and that as a leader, because you are the senior pastor here. And so I think you've done such a great job of showing and being consistent and showing like, hey, I'm a vulnerable leader and I'm going to love on my kids the same way I'm going to love on my staff. And so you've made everyone feel like family here. And one thing that I've learned from that is that's how you can lead better. It's not just like you said. It's not just uh, the ministry here at the church, but that carries over with your family. And so for me, it's such a beautiful idea that you can also, the way you love on people outside is the same way that your family should see that same love at home. And so that comes from a place of being vulnerable because your family is going to see you, the worst of you in a lot of cases. That's right. It's the, the good, bad, and the ugly. And But I think that's where it's not compartmentalized. And just I think that's the same way with your, your walk with Christ. For me, it's not just about coming to church. I always say to my kids, I'm way more concerned about who you're becoming than what you're doing. What you're doing comes out of who you are becoming. But I have to model that for them. And if I begin to model Christ, who I want to be in my life, then they get to see a picture, uh, not a perfect picture, but they get to see a real picture. And I think that's what has been one of the, the greatest blessings in watching my kids grow up at this church. I didn't do it alone. Um, and it just wasn't me. I knew it started with me and I was responsible, but I had you, AJ, and, and others that came around my kids and loved on them and spoke into them when they weren't listening to me maybe as much. <laughs> but I knew I had a support system. And I've always said, you know, you got to have the right people around you. You got to choose the right friends. You, it's the whole peer group, but it is your church people engaged, your kids engaged in, in church and with other great kids. And I just look at all of it and I'm totally blessed at where my kids are today, but it was that foundation. Yeah, and you, and what one thing that I felt so empowered by that you trusted us, like you didn't just uh, hand them off and then micromanage our, your way because you could have easily been like, "This is how I want my kids to be led." No, you trusted us with them. Oh, I wanted to a few times. Just kidding. <laughs> no, I, no, I know, I know, but it, but it was so amazing just to feel the the uh, the uh, support from you in the sense of like, hey, this. These are my kids. I trust you with them. If they make mistakes, I trust that you'll be there as well to help lead them and guide them. And that's one thing that I, I love. And we talked about this in a few episodes of this idea of like, I mean, it's a cliche, right? It takes a village to raise a child. And and you embodied that with within the ministries here of like, hey, I'm going to allow this leader, this life group leader, like Josh Boudreau to really love on my kid. AJ Dean, Trevor Holt, like these people just to love on my kids and lead them. And that just shows that that you you understand what it means to really raise a kid or prepare them for launch. And that's by utilizing the people in their lives, just as you said. Yeah. And I, I counted on that. I, I counted on that for the support. And I knew those voices, they were going to listen more to you and to Josh and to Trevor at that season than maybe my voice. But I I do the same thing with my kids. You know, that trust was one of the reasons that I, I believe they're walking with the Lord and, and, and where they are today. It was, hey, I'm, I trust you. I'm going to trust you until I can't trust you, until you give me reason not to trust you, but you're trusted. So as long as we communicate and as long as you are speaking truth to me, I'm trusting you. And that means we can get through anything. And I just tell you, um, that saved me a lot <laughs> because my kids, I think, felt had a, a safe place to come. 
and they were trusted here, but they had trusted leaders at church that spoke truth into them as well. So thanks for that. AJ's pretty cool. We like him. I'm, yeah. I'm very, very regular guy. <laughs> They're very regular. Um, one of the things that both of you mentioned when you were talking um, was vulnerability, being able to be vulnerable with your children. And I think maybe, Matthew, that's why I liked the book so much, because it's full of that vulnerability. It was you sharing your heart, probably in one of the most challenging periods of your life. And I think a lot of people, I know you wrote this book years ago, but I think a lot of people are in that stage of brokenness right now. The last several years have been hard in ways we never imagined, both as parents and as individuals. And so I wanted to just read an excerpt from your book um, in which you went to the doctor and the doctor basically told you what was up. (laughs) Um, So the doctor said, um, your whole adrenal system is shot. Frankly, I don't know how you've been functioning. Then he went through the results. We need um, adrenaline to deal with the stresses of everyday life, but when the system pushes us to the limits on a regular basis, it shuts down. It affects our overall chemistry, robbing us of energy, making us vulnerable to depression. Our immune system loses its capacity to fight. It impacts our appetite, our ability to enter into restful sleep, makes us dizzy and nauseated, and triggers headaches and mood swings. I felt both exposed and understood, fearful and relieved all at once. I thought that was really powerful because I think there are so many people, um, parents, kids, individuals that are in that state right now. Um, And I would just love if you could go back to that time, how that felt. And then I know you mentioned in your book, you did a sabbatical, which was amazing, but then also had some after repercussions as well. So I'd love for you to just dip into that a little bit. Yeah, I think that the fearful and the exposed, I mean, as a leader, as a dad, you do want to come off as a person who's got great strength and have answers and you know what to do. The fact is you don't. And then when somebody else comes and tells you, you know, what's happening physically is now affecting all of this, then there is this exposure that you either have to accept that or you're going to try and fight through that. And once you accept it, then that's when healing begins. Um, they say that uh, the doctor can tell you that you're, you're, you're dying. If you go to the doctor and, and, and they say when people have heart conditions or other conditions, only 13% of them take the advice. Think about that. So if you don't change your ways, you're going to die. 13% just read a, a, a whole study on that. Do something about it. And I think it's in those moments of, of being exposed that you go, I'm going to have to step into this if I'm going to heal. Or I'm just going to keep pretending. And I think in church world or even in parenting world, we pretend a lot because we want everybody to think we're good. And so as a leader, um, that exposure helped me. And it was one of those moments that I just had to accept this is where I am today. And the only way I'm going to heal is to now do something about it. Or I'm going to be out of a job, basically. And then that's not going to help anything. And I think for my parenting in that moment, I was fearful and I was exposed, but it was the greatest opportunity I had for growth. And I think my kids, even though they were young, they experienced something new out of that season. I physically got better, but because I was physically hurt, I had to take a sabbatical, which gave me three months to rest. And I understood what it was to care for my soul. I understood what it was to let things go that I needed to to let go and focus on what was most important. And first, that was my relationship with Christ and then my physical well-being. And after those three months, there was a healing that came. But it was admitting that 
I can't do this anymore. Um, I'm going to take a break from this job and the church and I'm going to heal so I can heal now to be the best person for you in the future. And what my kids saw uh, was that I think I was willing to let go and I had to trust God. I had to trust God that this was going to be okay. I had to trust God that I was still going to have a job (laughs) and I had to trust God physically. And so all of that, uh, there was great growth that happened. Now I came out of that sabbatical. You're right. And uh, when leaders leave, a lot of times uh, some voices step into that. And in a large church, some voices stepped into that. And I came back and um, yeah, my job was in jeopardy. Someone was trying to actually take my job. (laughs) And uh, there was kind of this coup. And so I I went back into another state because it was shocking uh, that there was a betrayal that would happen. And in those moments, man, I thought I was, I was lost again, <laughs> but yet it, it, I promise you, it was the greatest season that I've, I've ever had once I got through those three or four months after the sabbatical, because there was something that God said, I was finally releasing not only my family, but my job and my life where a lot of times your job becomes your identity. And I'll admit part of my identity was wrapped in what I did. And when you were down to nothing and there was depression that set in and some other things, and it was basically, I don't know if I'll have a job or not. And honestly, I don't care because my identity is not in that anymore. My identity was different, but I think God had to take me and use some physical problems. And then spiritually, he had to take me down to, to nothing but him. And it was in those moments that I think my kids saw the most vulnerable person they've seen in me, but yet I was never the same. And I came back a different leader, a different father, uh, a different husband, I hope. And God used that entire season of brokenness to reveal himself to me, but also to help me understand where my identity truly was and where my joy ultimately came from. I love that. And I think the beauty in that comes from the refinement of letting go. When it was um, at your lowest point, sometimes God has to take us there in order for us to let go. I know I am a self-professed control freak, and so I hold on to everything really tightly. And so sometimes I'm in seasons of difficulty and seasons of hard times. And I think to myself, why Why am I doing this? I'm, I'm doing all the things that God asked me to do, but at the same time, my fists are clenched, clenched and I'm holding on to everything so tightly. And I think sometimes we as parents do that in our parenting. We want to take over and take the reins and handle everything for our kids. So we hold on to them so tightly. And in this situation, I think what's so beautiful is that you just let go. You let go of all of it and you gave it all over to God. And there's no more beautiful example of the beauty that can come out of that than letting go. And I mean, it's, it's again, letting go and letting God. And I feel like you did that in that instance. And it's beautiful. I did. And I think you're right. Your personality at work is probably the same personality that, that transfers home. So if you're a control freak at, at work and you want to control everything, then you're going to do the same to your kids. And then you're going to strangle them. <laughs> not physically, but you might want to sometimes, but, but you're going to strangle them and, and they're not going to be able to grow. And it, it's that give and take that you don't do it perfectly, but owning that. But I think there is a release that as they grow older, they're part of this whole thing is we're trying to develop them to grow and go and to be all God's called them to be. But we got to learn to let go so they can grow. And sometimes we don't let grow. They miss out on a whole season of growth because we're trying to protect them from instead of help them become. And in helping them become, you're not going to protect them from everything. you got to help them become able 
if it's their faith to defend it, to stand for what they believe, to grow strong kids, but that's not in controlling. Lots of times that is in releasing. And those are hard lessons for us to learn. Yeah, I think the greatest part about that idea of letting go is sometimes we just don't identify what we need to let go, that we kind of continue working through those things because we're just not understanding that this specific thing we need to let go. And so I think one thing that's really beautiful is this, this sabbatical you took, although it was for a physical ailment, it, it allowed you to identify the things that you needed to let go. And because those things you let go, you realize that you gave them to God. And then when you came back, you were able to kind of fight through these, these trials you came back into, which it, I think that's so amazing. And I think of it as this like, like the analogy I think of is like lifting weights. Like sometimes we want to try to get the heaviest weight. And what happens is if you're doing a weight that your body can't handle, you hurt yourself. I, I've done that plenty of times in the gym where I put on too much weight on the bench and I end up having either like a, a hurt uh, collarbone, hurt shoulder, hurt elbow. And it's like, oh, I tried to stack on so much and I didn't even realize what I was doing. And so I think that's the biggest thing. We have to kind of identify what those are things that are, are too heavy for us and that we need to give to God because a lot of the times we think we can handle it, just like you guys were talking about being control, controlling. And I think that's just a part of human nature a lot of times. It's like we want to control. I, I look back at season one we were where we were talking about with uh, kids, our kids nowadays, we kind of want to guide them to the right path, right? And, and sometimes we don't allow them to kind of have a say in that. Rather, we just kind of come in and we say, this is what you're going to do. This is the path I am going to plan out, plot out for you. And, and then you end up hurting the kid even more because they, they're either going to be rebellious towards that plan or uh, be unhappy in the process of that plan. And so it, all of this to say, I think it's such a great thing that you allowed yourself to let, let things go. But identifying those things, are the, those are the things that are stopping you from going forward with your relationship with the Lord that ultimately was within the relationship of your family. And so I think that's so so amazing to see that uh, as a depiction of how you became a better dad, became a better husband, how you became a better leader here. And so I think that's such a beautiful way that we can really realize that it's not just let it's letting it go, but you have to also realize what you're what you're letting go, what you need to let go. Cuz sometimes we even are like, okay, there's things I don't I want to let go even though I need to continue working through them. So I'm going to let those go. And then you end up hurting yourself even in the process, whether mentally or physically. Yeah. Well, and I, I think you, you use the word voice. Maybe your kids don't have a voice and you're controlling or guiding their path. I think that was something for us and our kids was that we've tried to give them a voice, that their voice mattered. And that was inviting them into conversations at different stages of their life. I wanted to know how am I how am I helping you or serving you as a parent? What am I doing that that's good? And then what am I doing that's driving you nuts? You know, because there's always things. And if you don't ask the questions, kids are gonna tell you. It's just gonna be in ways you don't you don't want to hear it or in, in, in ways they act out. So I would rather they share their voice to me. And when you have an honest, open relationship and they trust you, they can say, Dad, here's a couple things. And then I get to adjust appropriately. But that was because I had built trust over the years and their voice has mattered to me. It wasn't me telling them. It was inviting them into this relationship. And then, then you have to trust them. And the beautiful thing is they're going to screw up. 
<laughs> and you get to love them through that. But I would rather walk with them in that mess up. You know, they just knew if something got messed up or if something was going wrong, the first person they better call is me, not because they were in trouble, but because I was going to come and I was going to help them. And we'll talk about it later, but I was going to be there for them no matter what. So they had that trust that when I said, actually, I want to hear your voice. What am I not doing good? That they would speak into me and they made me a better dad and I hope a, a better leader. But it was that voice is important. And that's part of letting go because I, you have to listen then, parents. You, you got you to gotta step back and say, OK, I, I'm going to trust that they're telling me truth right now. And when I want to grab a hold and control, I want to put boundaries up. I don't want to let them do this because I'm scared something's going to happen. It's something's going to happen. <laughs> but man, I would rather be there to pick them up and love them and have a relationship with them and them go, I'm sorry, and I know it's heartfelt, and we go, all right, let's don't do that again. Let's figure out together what the next step is. And that just, I, I can only tell you, that's what has built our relationship into what it is today. Well, you, you're making them even stronger, allowing them to kind of either not just have a say, but also allow them to live that life for themselves. Because that, that idea of being a parent, you want to make sure that they don't do the things you made mistakes in, right? You want to let, but, but honestly, that kind of hurts their experience when you don't allow them to. And so for, for you just allowing them to live their lives, experience those things, and then not reprimanding them in those moments where it's like they just needed love, they just needed an opportunity to share how they were feeling. Because again, that control, we gotta let that go yeah. and allow them to live because not only did it make you a stronger leader or you a better parent, but it also allowed you to, to allow them to become stronger people as well in themselves and a stronger son or daughter as well. That's right. And there was discipline in our home. This wasn't a free for all, <laughs> but th those boundaries were made because of love, not because I was setting legalistic rules in place, not because they were arbitrary. My kids never had a curfew, but we just talked and said, what's a reasonable time? What do you think a reasonable time is? And honestly, my kids came up with 11 o'clock. That's where it started. And my kids were never out past 11. And if they were, they just call and say, hey, dad, um, here, can I stay out to 12? And I'd be like, sure. Because there was this, this thing set up and they just kept obeying it. And I didn't, we set it together. And I was like, 11 o'clock, I would have gone for 12 or one. And they, they were like 11. And I just looked at that and went, this is awesome. And those were just small things. But then I just knew if they're going to meet the 11 o'clock curfew, which was never legalistic, they're going to, they're going to, I can trust them in other things. And we set those things together. So, um, yeah, didn't do everything right. That's for sure. But goodness, uh, it was, it was great because they had a voice and I believe uh, God used that in their life and in mine. Yeah. And one of the things you mentioned in, um, you know, allowing them the freedom to make choices is sometimes our kids don't always make the best choices. No. And there were apologies that needed to be made. Um, I know sometimes as a mom, I've had to apologize too, because while I am most often a very calm, peaceful person, there are times when kids can push you past your limits. Um, and when you and I were talking, we, we talked a little bit about your dad, who um, I wish I would have known. He sounds like a very cool, very sweet man. Um, but he told you that when someone comes to you with a sincere apology, um, it's your job to accept it. Um, and, and I would just love for you to talk about that right now, because I know that we've We've existed in a society that AJ often refers to as people are for or against something. And that's created a lot of rifts in relationships, which can also lead to sadness and brokenness. And um, 
So I would just love for you to talk about um, your dad's comment and how that has affected you in your life. Yeah. Uh, well, forgiveness has, you know, a couple words in it. It has the word for, and then it has the word give. So I've always looked like uh, my forgiveness is saying I am, I'm, I'm for you. I'm giving you a gift, but many times the gift comes to the giver. Uh, and so this forgiveness thing, uh, just when people were sincere, it's the heart of Christ. We don't deserve it, but he never canceled us. He never got rid of us. It wasn't you're in this box now. And I, I grew up in that legalistic system where I always thought I was losing my salvation. And if I sinned or if I did something, I was, I was going to hell. And it was like, oh, my gosh, I'm fearful all the time. And that's not biblical because I didn't earn my salvation. I didn't earn the grace and the forgiveness of God. So how could I actually lose that? Once I've accepted that, then then you're to reflect Christ. And forgiveness is this gift that you give for the person, but it's really for you. And there's sometimes, you know, I had to look at my kids and the forgiveness was going to change them. I had to ask them for forgiveness because I had hurt them or I had said something or I had done something. And I remember I was, I was giving them life, but you could see the life come back into them from the brokenness that was there in our relationship. And they knew in that moment I was for them because I humbled myself. And I think the more you can do that and the more you can admit, um, I don't know what I'm doing as a parent. I, I just don't. I, I mean, there's handbooks maybe, there's things written, but you watch down a lot of times it's what's passed down to you and you're passing down. And then there's things you say, I don't want to pass down and you still pass it down. But when you're vulnerable enough to forgive, and you say, and I would do it specifically. I would have my kids repeat back to me, I forgive you. Because there's something in, in words. So it would be like, hey, Nolan, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And instead of going, yeah, passing off, that's okay. I'd just say, hey, just, just say, I, I forgive you, Dad. And then because there's something coming back to me, but it's in his mind. That actual forgiveness is, is it's real. It's not just, yeah, I for, yeah, we're good. No, I, I forgive you. And when we'd look in each other's eyes and there was forgiveness, there was just a, there was a moment. And I called it these holy moments that you have with your kids. And it, it allowed you to not be perfect as well. There was expectations they had of me as parents. I had of them as kids, but we just all went in it to the same way. I'm not expecting you to be perfect because I'm not. And it's okay to mess up. And I'm going to be here when you do. And they saw it. And I think that was from my dad who just said, Man, it, you, you, you get to let it go. You get to let it go. If someone sincerely asks you for forgiveness, you let it go. Because that's what your Heavenly Father does to you all the time. Is that easy? No. Uh, but that's the call, I think, of believers. And can you imagine our world? Can you imagine our families? You know, there's parents and kids that don't talk to each other today because they, they can't let something go. And there's deep hurt. I know there is. But part of that forgiveness is, is healing. And that doesn't mean sometimes you don't forget, and it doesn't mean sometimes you have boundaries on certain things. But there is a gift that comes. I think that's why Jesus understood and, and wanted this so much for his followers, because that forgiveness gives you freedom, and it gives your kids freedom. And it's a beautiful picture. Yeah, yeah that's something really great to teach, right? This idea of 
I mean, <clears throat> we're not trying to teach them something transactional. Like you need that to get like you, if you're asking for forgiveness, you need to be forgiven or being told that. But at the same time as this idea of, of when does somebody does hurt you, you have the ability now to forgive them because a lot of the times people hold on to those things. They hold grudges. But instead, you're te you were teaching your kids that forgiveness, especially when it's authentic, when it's real, you got to forgive. Christ has told us multiple times to forgive because it, it's not something that it is like, oh, you're helping that person, but it also helps you because all you're doing is keeping something that's toxic inside of your mind, inside of your body. And this is why we're talking about this, this, uh, the season of, of self-help or soul care of looking at your own mental health. And it's like, what, not only are, what, what are you letting go or what are you holding on to physically that you need to let go, but like mentally, what are you holding on to that you need to let go of? Is there a deep hurt? Uh, is there a pain from a past relationship? These are the things we need to look at internally and realize, hey, if I can't get over this, I can't help my kid get over something like this. If I'm not getting over this, that's, that's something I can't help my family get over. And so the more we can consistently teach this idea of forgiveness that Jesus is consistently teaching us, the easier it's going to be for them to move forward in life. I think another beautiful aspect of letting go is when we let go through prayer. Um, I think when our kids are struggling, when we're struggling emotionally, we just want to curl up in a ball and we oftentimes distance ourselves from God in those situations, either because we're angry at him for the situation that we're in or we're hurting and we want to shy away from him because we feel shame telling him that we're hurting. Um, and I just want to refer back to your book on um, something you mentioned about prayer. And then um, I would just love for you to give some perspective on that too. So you said prayer is the channel through which God pours out his blessings on us. Don't you think the enemy knows this to be true? Why do you think it's sometimes so hard to pray? He is looking to steal you away from the comforter of your soul and the source of your power. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And one of our ways to... Uh, in one of our ways, life is made full is in the communion with God and to see our prayers answered. Satan is the counterfeiter of the genuine and the greatest way to stand against his scheming is the action of prayer. That spoke to me so much, Matthew, because I have a daughter who's struggled over the last two years with deep um, anxiety and depression. And I've gone to God so many times with so many different emotions. Sometimes I'm so angry with him that he just won't heal her from her hurt. Sometimes I'm so sad that she's sad. And what I found is each time I go to prayer with God, he refines that prayer to where this um, two weeks ago, I prayed, God, I really don't know what she needs anymore. Can you just give her what she needs? You know that. And I was thinking to myself, gosh, did he even hear me? Did he answer that prayer? And I looked back on that two-week period, and a lot of her stress and anxiety comes from playing competitive soccer. Well, she got sick, so she got a week and a half off of soccer, and she didn't go to soccer. And because of that, she was able to go to a course where she was planning um, college applications, which she wasn't going to go to because she had a tournament that weekend. And at that competition or at that class was another friend who was thinking about not playing her sport in college. So not only did he give her a week and a half break from something that had been stressing her out, he also put someone in her life 
wife who was in a similar life experience. And I just looked back at that. I, I don't know that I would have connected that if I wasn't taking the time to pause and to think about that. But I just looked back on that experience and I just told him, like, I don't know what she needs, but you do. And he gave her exactly what she needed. And I think you're so right that Satan tries to steal that communion and that prayer time, especially for people who are, who are hurting, parents who are watching their kids hurt. There are a lot of kids that are suffering right now and hurting in the same way that my daughter is. And I think we go to prayer and we're persistent in our prayer and we don't see the changes happen as quickly as we want them to happen. Um, and I, I would just love for you to talk about um, that perspective of prayer um, and how that can affect parents and their relationship with their kids. Well, uh, I think one of the things about prayer is, and we all know this, many times we're praying because we want an answer. And really, prayer is about a relationship. And I have always come back to the point to go that the, the creator God of the entire universe who knows me and loves me and knows my kids wants to be in relationship with me. And it is that that has deepened my faith. Um, I still ask for things in prayer. But I, one thing that I have, I have learned about prayer is I'm not looking for the answer as much because the answer comes, it's just differently so many times than I think it should be or wanted it to be. And I think I, I just stopped looking at answers and going, God, what are you going to do? I'm going to entrust you. You've said to, these are your kids. You've given me this opportunity to steward them. So I'm going to come to you and, and I'm looking to build my relationship with you. And I want to know you more because then I get to respond out of your heart and your eyes and the way you see my kids. And I don't know from your child or when my child was sick and you would pray for these answers and some things wouldn't come. And that builds frustration. And then I think that's where the enemy comes and builds those walls. And so those walls get built because you don't think God answered you like he should have or as quickly or as you wanted. And I began reframing my prayers to say, I'm praying to the, the God of the universe that knows me, loves me, loves my kids and created me. And I get to be in relationship with him. And I'm going to maybe not look for the answers to be. I'm going to ask for God. Hey, it, it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The reason he taught his disciples to pray that was basically he said, I'm, I'm asking you to put your life into my hands. And then I'm asking you to trust me because he answers all the time. It's are we aware of the answers? And many times we're not because it wasn't the answer we wanted. And I come back and I say, God's answering these prayers. It's just differently. He gave her a different season. Yes, she was sick, but there was something that happened that wouldn't have happened. I never think anything is a coincidence. There's just not in the kingdom. I, I believe thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God, I'm praying. I'm your, I'm your son, and I'm praying that your will be done in my life. And if that will is done, I'm trusting that this is from you. Uh, some mentors of mine used to say, nothing has come across your desk that hasn't crossed the desk of God. There's nothing that's coming into your life that God has not said in his sovereignty that I'm allowing this in your life so that you can reflect me, love me, and know me more. And as hard as that is, most of our growth comes in those moments. And it's not in the moments where everything is easy and we have the answers and we can solve it. And so I look at the outcome differently because I now have just said, I'm yours, it's your will be done. And I parent that way. 
And man, I don't want, I want to protect my kids from everything. I wish God would, my son went some real, through some really deep, deep um, physical issues. And there was nothing I wanted to do except take that away. And yet now I look at my son and he's called into ministry. I don't know in the last year and a half when he went through that, if he would have been called to ministry. I think that was part of the shaping and the brokenness that he had to go through to go, I'm, I'm 20 years old and, and my physical body is just exhausted and I, I have no strength. And I began praying, God, show yourself real to no one. And if you choose to heal him, great, but I'm not asking for that. I'm asking that he comes to know you and that you do a work in his life. And God did that uh, in different ways than I would have ever imagined. And so I think it's the outcome that I don't go to God and expect to get answers. I go to God and I expect to get to know him. And out of that, then I get to respond. I pray more genuinely as he would respond and live as he would live. That's how I see prayer now. Amen. Amen. <laughs> that was that was a great sermon. That was oh, that was beautiful. Let me close in prayer. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was so needed. Honestly, I think a lot of us in today's society, myself included, like I'm really talking from experience. It's like we pray selfishly all the time. And it's not even just answers. We are praying for things to happen that we want. Or like you said, we're looking for an answer. And I think the the reframing of how we pray, of 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 praise and adoration to our God, of this creator that who knows us inwardly, that's something that's so beautiful. And it humbles us in a lot of ways of like, okay, this is how you say and your will be done. Like if we're consistently thinking about our will all the time, we're never going to see that we need Jesus more and more and more because we just think we have what we need and that's us or we have what we need. And then we only go to Jesus for those little things of like, Oh, I need this Lord. I need this. But this idea of going to the creator of the universe and just praising him for that. And then saying, let your will be done, whether it's how I want it or how you're going to have it. I think that's so helpful in the way we pray. That's so helpful in the way we have relationship, whether it be with family or uh, friends or children or our kids. That's going to be so helpful in framing that for them and for us. And so I think it's so beautiful, this idea of not looking at every prayer, every moment as something, how is it going to benefit me or how is it going to benefit what I think should happen? Rather, it's God, your will be done. You're the creator. You have this all in your hands and you will, and we have to trust you. It goes back to trust. We talked about earlier, you were trusting us as leaders for your kids. Ultimately, we got to trust our, our Lord and savior because he's got us in his, in, in, our, in his hands. He has our kids in his hands and, and he's faithful. And I think that's the, the part of the Christian walk. It's called submission. We don't like that word in, in culture. <laughs> we don't like that word even when following Jesus. Because submitting means I'm giving myself over to. And so you're right. I think we pray and say, oh, yeah, we're going to trust in Jesus. But that really comes through in these moments when you don't get the answers you want and things aren't changing. It's we pray, oh, Lord, I, I want to know you more. We you sing it. Lord, I want to know you more deep within my soul. I want to know you. And he goes, OK. And a lot of times that's in brokenness and that's in pain and that's in hurt and that's in unanswered prayers. But you get to know him. And then there's a peace that passes all understanding, Scripture says. And that's only by the Spirit. That's not a worldly peace. It's not an outward. It's an inward out peace that comes. 
Well, Matthew, thank you so much for just who you are as a leader. AJ and I are honored to to work under such um, such an amazing leader, someone who's capable of being vulnerable. Um, and I just think you speak so beautifully to the heart of your staff, but then also to the heart of your church. I was a church member long before I was a staff member. Um, and I just remember feeling seen and heard in such a large church. And I think you are a large part of that. And I know that you wrote Broken for Good along time ago, but I would love to see a resurgence of this book. I think um, it really speaks to the climate of our society today. So I hope that our listeners will go grab it. I think it's available on Amazon still. It is available on Amazon, yeah. Yeah. So it's a great book, and I'm so thankful for you for writing it um, and for sitting with us and sharing your perspective from that time and how that fed into you as a parent as well. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you both. And uh, for all you parents, uh, you know, love your kids. Love the Lord first, and uh, I just promise you, um, God's way is the best way. It's all I've known, it's all I've seen, and I've trusted that, and uh, I'm grateful for this opportunity with all of you. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much, Matthew. I think this is so beneficial for everyone. I think the things I I gained from today is this idea of letting go and identifying that, and then also trusting, not just not just people around you that are raising your kids, but also the Lord and in the process of everything you're going through, trust in him and give yourself to him fully. So I think that's going to be so helpful. Um, so this, this has been an amazing episode. And again, I thank you so much for, for sharing all of this with us today. So we will continue this conversation about how to better your soul. And until then we are journeying with you, praying for you and walking beside you and your family in love.